0: Think of a four-letter word. Hope. Good job. If you were here last week or if you were watching in the live stream, um, the four-letter word that I was hoping would come to mind when I said that is the word hope. But I also shared with you last week that that isn't always the first word that comes to mind when we talk about a four-letter word. If you've been in construction like I have or... Just been in, in the military. Sometimes the four-letter words that come to mind are not words like hope. But we're trying to change that. We're trying to change that first thing that comes into your mind to be hope. H-O-P-E, hope. And we looked at First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 last week. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Followers of Christ are to be hopeful people. And this morning, I would like to fill your minds with yet another four-letter word. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we look again to open up your word, we once again are reminded that it's only through you, Holy Spirit, that we can understand what you have for us in your word so god we invite you here we know that you are always here but we invite you here in a special way in a unique way to speak to our hearts from your word holy spirit here we are your servants and we are listening please speak amen well did you remember that last thursday was assumption Day Assumption day. We talked about that. And if you have been following along in our 50-day prayer journal and you've been writing down uh, prayer journal things, um, you will notice that on that Thursday was the passage about Jesus' assumption from the book of Acts. And if you need a prayer journal, you can grab it. There's some on one of the tables in the narthex. Uh, so I know we've, we've got a week left, but just take one. It's OK. Uh, take one. If you haven't even done any, any journaling up till now, it's okay. I, I, this is not a guilt trip, okay? So, but maybe, maybe now's the time to start. Try it for a week. Try just sitting in the Lord's presence in an unhurried way, listening to God as we ask together questions of the Lord and let him speak to us. So grab a journal. There's plenty out there. Grab one if you haven't started that. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, is the story of Jesus' assumption. So if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles or look on the screen. "'After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. "'Men of Galilee,' they said, "'why do you stand here looking into the sky?' This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Hmm. Well, it's pretty easy to read that. But I want you to imagine what that must have been like. Now, if you've seen a TV show or a movie about Jesus, um, a lot of times they'll try to depict what they think this looked like. And I've got to tell you, they don't do a very good job. I have yet to see any movie do justice to the assumption of Jesus. It just comes off cheesy. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't cheesy. I'm pretty sure it was awe-inspiring. So imagine what it must have been like to be one of the disciples and have Jesus go into heaven in your own sight. What could have that been like? I mean, think about the disciples. They had, they had witnessed Jesus' resurrection, and then for 40 days, for 40 days, Jesus was with them. The resurrected Jesus was with them for 40 days. And, you know, we don't realize how long that 40 days is until you, you think about what we've been doing. How long ago was Easter? And now, just last Thursday was Assumption Day. That's kind of, that's a long time that Jesus was with the disciples Forty days. And they had opportunity to eat with Jesus and to talk with him. They asked him questions just like we've been doing. Asking questions of the Lord. Well, wouldn't you? What questions would you ask Jesus? What questions would you ask the resurrected Jesus? There's so many things I would ask. And Jesus, he encouraged them. But he also prepared them. He prepared them for his departure from them. In fact, it's very helpful to consider the final things Jesus said to his disciples. So I'm going to read the whole whole little section here in Acts, starting in verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And now we just read the rest of that. Now, even though Jesus had been preparing them for his departure, I doubt very much that the disciples were ready. I mean, did you hear the last question the disciples asked? Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Jerusalem and to Israel? It's like, yeah. Yes. What a terrible last question, right? They I don't think the disciples expected Jesus to float away into the sky. Do you? And Jesus had been preparing them for three years. And now even the last thing he says prepares them that he's going to be leaving them. And did you, did you catch the command of Jesus? Did you, did you catch the command of Jesus? What was, the, what was the command of Jesus that he gave them? He said, if you could sum it up in one word, go. Go. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Go and tell people about what you've seen. Now, that was the final command of Jesus before he was to heaven. Before he was assumed, the assumption day. Before he was assumed into heaven. But, if you were listening carefully to what I just read. You will know that was not the only command of Jesus on that last day. Anybody know what the other command was that we just read? What was the other command? You can do it in one word. Wait. Wait. Huh. Jesus said, wait, before he said, go. Now that's interesting. By the way, how many letters are in that word? Oh. Wait. Verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Is that, is that a suggestion? He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Before you go, wait for the gift. Wait. W-A-I-T. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he commanded his disciples to wait and then go. And they were to wait for what? The Holy Spirit. Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, how long were they supposed to wait? Just a few days. Now, I like this, that Jesus said, just a few days. Because when we're told to wait, we're not always given the time frame, are we? If I was the disciples, I would have been happy to know it was just a few days. Wouldn't that be nice? When Jesus tells us to wait, if he would also always tell us, And it's just going to be a few days. But it's not like that for us, is it? Not usually. By the way, a few days. How long did they wait? Does anybody know? How long did they have to wait before the Holy Spirit came and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Ten days. Ten days. Ten days. Is it 50? No, no, no. Ten days after the, the, you're right, 50 days after the resurrection. But 10 days after the Assumption. So, Gold Star, Mike Fitzloff. Somebody get that man a gallon of milk, okay? <laughs> so, we, we are going to be waiting for 10 days. after When Jesus said, wait, and then he went to heaven, it actually was 10 days. Now, we just skip over that because it, it all gets smashed together in our brain. But 10 days is kind of a long time. Can you imagine 10 days? So Jesus goes up and Jesus says, you know, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and then you're going to go and tell everybody about me. And then he leaves and then we're like, great. And then it's like a day goes by and then two and then three and then four and then five and then six and then seven and then eight and then nine. That's a long time. 10 days is kind of a long time. I mean, Jesus said a few days. Like, I would have been the guy, if I was one of the disciples, I would have been the guy that was like, well, Jesus said a few days. A few means three. So he should have been here by now. I would have been that guy. Yeah. It was 10 days. And then what happened? Acts chapter 2. Here's what happened. Here's the the next part. After 10 days, it says, when the day of Pentecost came. They were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So how do we know it was 10 days? Well, because it happened on Pentecost. Pentecost is a Jewish holiday. Pentecost, it's easy to remember because... What is a pentagon? A five-sided figure. Pentecost is the celebration, the Jewish celebration that happens 50 days after Passover. Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. That's how you remember that. Now remember, Passover happened like the night Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and that was Passover, right? 50 days after Passover is when the Holy Spirit came. And we also know that Jesus was assumed to heaven 40 days after Passover. So, 10 days. Everybody got that? It's not that hard when you think about it. 10 days. 10 days of waiting. We, on this Sunday, are during that 10-day time. In fact, Thursday is Assumption Day, last Thursday. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. This is church calendar stuff. I want to come up with a new name for this Sunday and put it on the church calendar. This is Waiting Sunday. Oh, I know, it's not going to catch on. But I just think it's a good idea. Okay, this is Wait Sunday. This is when the disciples waited between his Assumption and the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. It's waiting day. Happy waiting day, everybody. Nobody likes to wait. Oh, but wait is a very powerful four-letter word. Learning how to wait appropriately is a powerful virtue of God-fearing people. The Bible's full of passages that encourage God's people to wait. Consider Psalm 2714. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And then Lamentations 3.25 and 26. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait. Does anybody in America actually believe that to be true? Not even, Does anyone even one person, actually believe that that verse is a good verse? Probably not. We are not very good at waiting. Might I say we are actually bad at waiting. In fact, we might be the worst waiting people in the history of mankind in the United States of America. We want it now. I want my money, and I want it now. Do you remember those stupid commercials? The law agency of Hester and whatever. I don't remember what it was. I want my money now. That was, don't, that's a whole different subject. Waiting is good. Waiting is good. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, can I? Can we just marinate on that for a little, just a little bit? Can we marinate on that that passage of Scripture from the Lord God Almighty? Can we just can we just let that soak into our soul? It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Oh, but I want to show you something. Really interesting. Well, that made it sound like everything before was boring. I hope it wasn't. But I want to show you something really interesting. You probably can't see it very well, but the passage on the screen, in fact, is not even showing on the screen. Go back one. You see that little thing in the in the corner there? That's the ESV. I don't normally quote from the ESV. I usually use the NIV. But this right here, this is the ESV, the English Standard Version. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good for those who wait for him. You see that? The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Now I want to show you, don't do it yet, but I want to show you the NIV of this exact same verse. And I want you to have an aha moment. Are you ready? Is your brain engaged? The Lord is good to those who wait for him. ESV. And now show the NIV. The Lord is good to those whose... Hope is in Him. How could this be? In the ESV, the word is wait. In the NIV, the word is hope. That is the same word in Hebrew. Going back to the ESV. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To understand this, we need to look at the Hebrew word that is behind the English translation. The Hebrew word that is translated wait in the ESV, but it is also translated hope in the NIV is Kava. Kavah. I might not be pronouncing it per- per- perfectly. I've never taken Hebrew. I want to take Hebrew. So if you want to send me on a sabbatical to learn Hebrew, I will sign up. Hebrew, kavah. The translation differences occur because we do not have one English word that exactly translates the Hebrew word. So instead of trying to explain it in English, I mean, I could sit here now and use English to try to explain this word to you. I'm just going to show you. Brendan, would you help me with this? Ryan, would you help me with this? Okay, stand over there. Now, this is not tug-of-war, so don't get goofy. Okay? Well, maybe you can. Just don't break anything. Okay, hold that. Okay, come over here like this. Okay, now, I'm going to demonstrate the Hebrew word... Kavah. Okay, you ready? Everybody ready? Pull. Kava. Okay, just hold on now. Keep keep kavahing. Not not too much, but you're doing good. This is from Charles Swindoll. The term "wait" is from the Hebrew verb. Kava, which eventually carried the idea of eagerly looking for something. It originally meant to twist or stretch. The noun of the word means line or cord or thread. The literal definition became a word picture involving the tension and eager anticipation. Kava. That's the kavah. That's the word that is translated in Lamentations three, twenty-five: wait and hope. Thank you, gentlemen. You can be seated. Kavah. <laughs> Was that familiar to anybody? Is there a cobweb breaking loose in your brain? Now, some of you have joined us fairly recently. Welcome. But some of you have been here for long enough, hopefully, to remember. I've done that illustration before. And it actually wasn't that long ago, although it could just as well be a lifetime. August 25th, 2019. I preached a sermon on the hope of the Lord. That's less than two years ago. Less than two years ago, I did that exact thing. Eric, you remember because you were one of the people I asked last time. That was exactly six months, almost to the day of COVID. Six months before COVID, I did a sermon on the hope of the Lord. I talked about Isaiah chapter 40. You can go on the website and listen to it if you want. And in preparing for this message today, I went back and listened to that message. And here is what I said to you six months before COVID. So I'm going to quote right from my own sermon. Waiting on God is a cultivated spiritual discipline. It requires patience and practice. Focus your attention on something you cannot fix. Something causing you anxiety beyond your control. Each time the issue comes to mind, recall God's abilities and faithfulness. Surrender the issue to his control. Then choose to wait as you leave it in his hands. Repeat as necessary. And then I said this hope is about waiting. Waiting is about trusting. And it is at the intersection of our trusting and waiting that strength is produced in the tension of the situation. Notice the strength is not developed after the tension. It is developed during the tension. The question we need to be asking during times of tension is, what does God want to develop in us? It usually isn't something that happens instantly. It requires waiting. That is an exact quote from my sermon Exactly six months before the COVID lockdown started. My sermon to you. And my sermon to myself. Mm. And now here we are. (laughs) Little did any of us know that that sermon was going to be tested in our lives in a way that we could not possibly have imagined. I wish I could say, I wish I could say, even for just myself, not, not even just you, but for, just for me, I wish I could say that the 15 months of COVID were a godly hope and waiting for me. Godly trust, godly tension. Oh, there was plenty of tension. Plenty of tension, but how much of the tension was godly what i really want you to understand this morning is that for believers in god the words wait and hope are not just four letter words they are the same four letter word hope and wait are the same word in hebrew And I told you that six months before COVID. (laughs) So I literally get to say, told you so to myself first and to you. Just like Lamentations 325. It's been up there the whole time. And when you go to the NIV, hope. Wait or hope. And now here we are. Our first Sunday living in a new reality. Our first Sunday. Our first Sunday. We are able to meet safely without face masks on according to the mandate of the governor that has been removed. We have waited. We have hoped. But the question... I asked on August 25th, 2019, as part of that sermon on hope, it still lingers in my mind. What does God want to develop in us? May I ask you, what has God developed in you during this last 15 months? What has God developed in you during that time of intense tension? That time of waiting. Of hoping, I have no desire to go back to normal. Although I'm not sure, normal—the pastor who said normal is just a setting on the dryer—I have no desire to go back to normal without taking a good look at what has developed through the tension of the last 15 months. I believe that we need to take a deep and searching look at this time of tension, and what it has uncovered in our church. Oh, yikes. Maybe we should just leave that in the past, huh? Maybe we should just forget about that and just move on, like nothing happened for the last 15 months. Or maybe we should look and see what God has cultivated in our time of waiting and hope. This is why we're doing the 50-day prayer journal, church. We're doing this because I feel as a pastor, we need to stop and ask the Lord to search us after what we have just been through. We need direction from God to tell us what is His next step for this church. It's got to be from God, not from me or anybody else. It's got to be from God. What is God telling us together? What have we learned from this 15 months of waiting? What have we learned from that tension that has covered us? And now notice what notice what the second half of that verse says. Do you see this? The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Waiting on the Lord is not twiddling your thumbs. Waiting is about seeking God in the tension. Hoping in God in the tension. Waiting and hoping in the Lord is active, not passive. It implies seeking the Lord. Kavah is active. To wait on the Lord is to be actively seeking Him during the tension. To hope in the Lord is to be actively seeking Him during the tension. I believe that we desperately need to hear from the Lord. Our church needs to turn our ear once again toward the God of heaven. Have we turned our ear away? We need to stop and consider the tension we have been in. And we, t- we need to learn from it. What do we value as a church? What do we hold as our most important priorities? Because I'm a little confused by some of the priorities that have taken the top shelf for the past 15 months. Are you? We need to remember... What the Lord has called us to do in this community. We need to be directed in our steps only by the steps of the Lord and where He directs us to go. Are we going to follow what the Bible teaches us? Or are we going to follow our feelings? Which one's it going to be? Are we going to truly make Jesus the head and the Lord of this group of believers in Bertha, Minnesota? I hope you have been taking unhurried time to be with God during this 50-day prayer journey that we have been on. I hope you have asked God the questions in that journal and listened patiently to the Lord for his answers. I also hope that we will not lose what God has been teaching us In the tension of these last 15 months, God has something to say to New Life Church of God through this tension. Hope and wait are the same word for followers of Jesus. We don't always know how long we have to wait. For the disciples, it was 10 days from Ascension to Pentecost. For the Jews who lived through the events of Lamentations that I'm quoting from, the waiting was 70 years. Between the destruction of Jerusalem and then the exile and return back to Jerusalem, 70 years of waiting. For us, I am happy to say, our period of waiting was 15 months. Now, I'm not naive. I know that we're not through COVID like a switch magically has been taken. We're not. I understand that. We still need to take precautions and all that. But the tension is less. You can feel it this morning, can you not? But are we going to use that tension to listen to God as a church? COVID has changed our church. COVID has changed our country. But our church is different after the tension that we've just been in, isn't it? It's different. What are we going to do with it? What have we learned from our waiting? What has the Lord taught us from this tension? What does the Lord have for us now? I would like to ask you to ask the Lord these questions. Please, Spend unhurried time with God. And if you haven't done it up to now because you thought my prayer journal was dumb, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But would you try it for a week? This last week, spend unhurried time with the Lord. Ask Him these questions. What does the Lord have for us? What did the Lord want to teach us through this tension? What are we as a church supposed to do? Next, what are you supposed to do next after this 15 months? Repentance? Do you need to turn from something after these 15 months? Do you need to seek forgiveness with someone? Do you need to offer forgiveness? Do you need to repair a relationship? Do you need to rebuild? A relationship, And so I end with this last verse of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 40. In the NIV, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Do you desire that kind of strength? Do you desire to hope on the Lord? Maybe we better check this same passage in the ESV. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Hope and wait are the same. Our strength is tied to waiting On the Lord. Strengthen us Lord. (laughs) Strengthen us Lord. Show us as a church God. What you have for us in the tension. That we just have come through. Our hope is in you. Amen.